0: Welcome to the debut of the Changing Directions Filmmaker podcast series presented by 206.com. Changing Directions is a podcast interview series focused on diverse and emerging filmmakers who are pushing the boundaries of what's possible for women and minorities while creating amazing films. I am your host, Mark Morin, and my very special guest for this episode is filmmaker, TV star, and fourth grade spelling bee champion, Sujata Day. Sujata, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi Mark, thanks for having me. I love that you uh, added fourth grade spelling champion to my bio, I'm very proud of that.
0: Excellent, we'll get into that in a little while, but yeah, I definitely wanted to add that in there. Now your movie, Definition Please, is your feature debut as a director. And last year, the movie had a very successful film festival run and is now gearing up for its eventual release. So first, let me just say congratulations on making a movie.
1: Yay, thanks. It was it was quite an endeavor. So I am proud of myself for following through and coming out with a finished product.
0: Awesome. Now first off, tell me the origin story of the film. Like where did the idea start and then how did it develop into what we see on screen?
1: Yeah, like you said, I I was a th- fourth grade spelling bee champion at my small little Catholic school in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. And I went to regionals and I lost in the first round on the word radish, I spelled radish with two d's instead of one it was very devastating but luckily my teachers and my parents were very supportive and they weren't crazy spelling bee training people so i got back to school and and i just became fascinated with the national spelling bee in general and would start watching it on espn and i did notice that almost every single year it happened to be a south asian american kid slash indian american kid winning the spelling bee even in 20 when we were shooting the movie, there were eight winners and seven of the eight were Indian American. So that just became a theme in The Spelling Me and I just had it in the back of my head and cut to 2015 when I'm in a a Upright Citizens Brigade sketch writing class and every week we needed to churn out a sketch. And it was just a great way to get the creative juices flowing because you were forced to write something that week. And so one of my ideas was, where are they now? Spelling Bee Winners. And if you Google them, they are doing really amazing things. They're working for NASA. I'm sure a couple of them are working on the COVID vaccine. So they're just doing all these like very smart people things. And And I decided, okay, well, what if What if one of these spelling bee winners turns out to not achieve her full potential. So she turns out to be sort of a loser. And um, so that was kind of the button of the joke in my four page sketch. A couple years later, I, I did in 2016, I did the Sundance Screenwriting Lab. And once you do a lab, you're considered an alumni of Sundance. So I went to Sundance Film Festival for the first time in 2017. And one of my friends, Justin Chan, his film Gook was premiering there. and I just fell in love with it. I was obsessed with it. I cornered him at the premiere party and I was like, how did you do this? And he said, I just did it. I gathered my friends and family, raised money and just shot it myself and put it out. And I was like, perfect. That's what I'm gonna do. So then in 20, middle of 2017 is when I started writing the feature film version of Definition Please based on that really loose four page sketch idea of a former Spelling Bee champion turns out to not add up too much in her life when she's in her mid-twenties at this point. So then I started writing the feature and was answering the questions of, okay, so what are the reasons why she didn't succeed? And I decided, oh, it'll be family issues. It'll be, you know, her relationship with her mom, her relationship with her brother. And I wanted to delve into family drama type issues and deal with real life situations that we all do, like mental health and, you know, bipolar disorder. And I wanted to pull that screen back from these issues that we all have dealt with or know someone who has this or maybe personally have it. And and I wanted to treat it very authentically. So that's why I decided to combine the comedy with the drama because I feel like in real life, you have a tragic situation happen to you, and in the next moment, you're laughing your ass off. So I just wanted to really have that be the tone of the film and be able to tackle serious issues, but still have that lightness of life in it as
0: well. Yeah, absolutely. And as you just mentioned, you explore mental health in multiple ways over the course of the movie. Like Each character is dealing with something, whether it's an extreme thing like bipolar disorder or or maybe just depression or what have you. But every character has something specific going on. So can you expand on that a little bit on why that was important to you to go that in depth into that type of storytelling?
1: Yeah, I think specifically I... I am inspired by so many indie family dramas. So in in writing Definition Please, I was inspired by a lot of Duplass Brothers movies. I was inspired by specific sibling dramedies like Skeleton Twins and You Can Count on Me and The Savages. And oftentimes when you're watching these films, you see, you know, white characters who are the family members and the leads. And I was like, oh, well, I want to make a movie like that, but I want to that just have different faces in there. I want it to be a South Asian American cast and have it deal with these universal issues like mental health, but specifically in our culture, in Asian American culture, we do not talk about mental health at all. We don't talk about depression. We don't talk about anxiety. We don't talk about stressful situations. we It's all very secretive. The things that we do talk about is Who got into the Ivy League schools? Who's getting married to who? Who's having a baby? Who has the job on Wall Street? And so I wanted to pull back the curtain on having Indian American families and Asian American families start the discussion on mental health in their lives because I grew up around Indian American friends and acquaintances who were dealing with these things and they weren't going to a therapist or their parents didn't know how to handle what was happening without it being kind of a broadcast to their friend group. And so I I just wanted to really highlight that we all deal with this stuff and, and it's just better if we talk about it out in the open.
0: Yeah, that really came across on screen, just like you're saying, how culturally a lot of that stuff is really taboo and not talked about and kind of swept under the rug, so to speak. But I thought it was really refreshing and interesting of how you were able to portray it. And it wasn't any type of Hollywood magic type storytelling. It was really natural and authentic the way that, you know, the issues came to the foreground and were dealt with. So I would say, you know, excellent job with how you portrayed that on screen. What was the biggest mental or emotional challenge for you while Making the movie?
1: I think I would say raising the money. <laughs> Which is, I, I suppose that's like more of a physical issue, but it, it takes a toll mentally and emotionally. Okay. And it is something that. I hope that I never have to do again. I probably will. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. But everything else was so creative and fulfilling. Writing the script was, you know, it kind of just flowed out of me. And then I got notes for my friends and my um, writing colleagues. And and I was able to churn out kind of draft after draft until I got that shooting draft. And then even directing was so fun and fulfilling. And I, and I knew that I was ready for it. And I was confident in my abilities and I knew exactly what I wanted the film to visually look like, and I knew exactly how I wanted my actors to feel being on set and even after set. You know, I wanted them to feel confident in being able to tackle the character and being safe and go to different places that maybe they normally wouldn't go to as actors. So directing was really just wonderful. And even as an actor, it was so fun to just, you know, go in and play the character. and. And knowing that as the writer of the film, I I made sure to give Ritesh Rajan, who plays Sunny, I made sure to give him kind of the meaty, emotional, moments, because I was like, I'm going to be doing all these other things, so I just kind of want to be able to like react to him, (laughs) and just knowing that I gave myself that permission to play in the actor sense, but really the whole like raising money thing kind of was the thing that took a toll on me, and it would be like I would be coming off a 12-hour day of shooting, of acting in a scene, directing a scene, and then figuring out what was going to happen the next day in terms of shots, but then I had to get get on the phone with an investor and make sure that his money was being wired into the bank account for the film and it's like something that I just would rather not deal with in the future.
0: Right. yeah, that totally makes sense. I think in any situation in life, money is either the cause of a lot of problems or, you know, like Biggie once said, more money, more problems, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's always going to be an issue. So, oh, that that's very good insight. Thank you. Now, what's something you learned as a filmmaker that you will sort of keep in your back pocket? Like that really worked. This is now a skill that I have.
1: What I learned was something that I observed as an actress, and that was on the set of Insecure. We had some really, really fantastic uh, female directors, Tina Mabry and Debbie Allen. And with both of those women, they were very nurturing and giving, but also super confident in what they wanted and what they needed from us and the rest of the crew. So I decided that that's the kind of director that I wanted to be. And I feel like I channeled that really well into me being on set of Definition Please. And I would be like, okay, so what would like, how would Debbie Allen you know, treat this. And I've been really lucky to have worked with some really amazing directors and, and I hope to kind of build on that, you know, nurturing, confident, directing style and take it into the future.
0: So what you're saying is you gained confidence working on a show called Insecure. <laughs>
1: yes, yes, exactly, exactly. I like that.
0: How did making this movie change who you are as a human being?
1: Oh, that's that's interesting to think about because i made the movie specifically for my fellow first generation indian americans and when it premiered at bentonville and when it started you know getting reviews and press and and the trailer came out i think it was when the trailer came out on twitter that i noticed that this was Affecting, you know, not only Indian Americans, but also white people and black people and Asian Americans and just people from all different backgrounds. And they were excited about it. And I was like, what? Like, that really surprised me. I, I wasn't, I did not think that that was going to happen. So I'm just really excited to continue to make projects that are very specific to who I am and my, you know, life experiences, but have them have this universal audience and have people like an audience member in France or something connect to my characters even though they might not be exactly like them.
0: That's a really good point. That's one thing I think I mentioned it in my review of the movie as well is it's a very American story. Even though it's an American Indian family, I feel like the issues that you dive into are issues that anybody and everybody is dealing with across the board. Yeah, that's very interesting insight as well, thank you. Now, I want you to look back on everything it took to get the movie made. What is the first thing that comes to mind that makes you feel gratitude? Cool.
1: There's so much gratitude, so much gratitude, so much interesting serendipity involved with the film. So once I decided at the beginning of 2019 that I was going to film this movie, Come Hell or High Water, in June of 2019, things honestly weirdly started falling into place. And you know, one experience was when my producer, Cameron Fife and my DP, Brooks Ludwig, we went out to Greensburg about a month before we started filming just to do, you know, the pre-production stuff. And we had not thought about post-production at all. We obviously had had a budget for it, but we didn't think of like who we were gonna take it to. And Brooks mentioned, oh, I was in a workshop with a place called E-Film and they would be great. And then I looked up E-Film and I'm like, they're working on like the next three Avatar movies. We're not gonna be able to afford them. Oh, wow. So I was like, Thank you for the, you know, for the advice, Brooks, but we can't, you know, we can't do it. So then we had our announcement come out in deadline, and this was the first day of shooting, and then about three or four days later, Film called us. Oh, wow. And they were like, how can we help you? And I was like, are you joking? Like did you get like some kind of weird mental message that we wanted to work with you? And so so then they did the post production on our film. That's amazing. So, yeah, so that was that was definitely a gratitude moment of like things just falling into place.
0: Wow, oh, that's amazing, Sophie. You know, you definitely get that feeling like you're in the right place at the right time doing what you're supposed to be doing. That's that's really cool. So one thing I was thinking about with the film is now you're from Pennsylvania, right? Yes. Okay, to me, the movie never really feels Hollywood. And I, I, I think I remember reading or hearing somewhere you talking about how you know you really love where you're from and you really wanted to showcase that. So tell me about that in, as far as making the film as well.
1: So yeah, I was just texting with a childhood friend the other day who I'm still best friends with. She's my best friend from second grade. And I was just like, I freaking love Greensburg. I'm obsessed with Greensburg and she's like, you're literally the only one (laughs) and I was like I don't know I just I grew up in this amazing I mean it's it was a very white American suburb and I went to high school and I was one of like five minorities at this middle school high school but then I will say that there's also a very large indian american community right there because there's three temples there's a south indian temple a north indian temple a buddhist temple so we were all like i'd be hanging out with my white friends at school but then on the weekends i'd be hanging out with my indian american friends from summer camp and my dance classes and we'd go to Indian parties, weddings and graduations and birthday parties on Friday and Saturday night. So I grew up never having that issue of uh, like having to choose between two cultures because I was exposed to all of it and, and I got to kind of pick the best of all the worlds. And so being in Greensburg and ever since I was little, I just like really loved the greenness. It's, it's, I mean, (laughs) I know it's really like weird to talk about, but like something else that I grew up with was we, we hung out with like, even my little neighborhood in Greensburg, there's like the middle-class homes, which like my parents, we have like one of those houses that they all look the same on the inside and the outside, but they're different colors. So we're on a street like that. And then like up literally like a two minute walk away is like the richer homes you know like the brick homes that are sprawling (laughs) with yards but then literally two minute walk from that is the is suburban estates which is like the the trailer park homes and we would always growing up we would be hanging out at all of the different spots and not you know, we had friends who lived in the trailer park and we had friends who lived, you know, in the, the homes that, where their parents had a cabin at the ski resort. I don't know, I just had a really, really great childhood and memories and friends and I will say that making Definition Please, it was such a, a family and friends endeavor where my production designer Caitlin McHugh is a friend of mine from middle school. My, oh, wow. our wardrober Rachel Velazzi is a friend from middle school. We shot at my friend Jamie Joyce's house for one of the scenes. We shot at my best friend, Lindsay. her parents, her dad was our high school principal. And so we shot, oh, wow. we, shot we shot. at their house. We shot Caitlin's treehouse house was the tree house in my film. So it was just an endeavor of everyone that uh, I loved throughout the years, you know, just coming together and making this film.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Definitely, it, it definitely held that small town feel. You can tell that that's a, a big influence on you and who you are as a person. So that's great. Speaking of influences, who do you feel has been the biggest influence on you from a filmmaking perspective?
1: Oh, come on, Issa Rae. <laughs> oh
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: easy answer there. I mean, I I guess it's ten years ago now. What awkward black girl? Oh, so. Wow. So Awkward Black Girl, the web series is how I met Issa and, you know, just being beside her and becoming friends with her through that and watching her put Awkward Black Girl on multiple credit cards and just making, uh, creating work, regardless of who is saying yes or no, or green lighting really you know influenced and inspired our entire cast and crew of Opera black girls so i was inspired to write my brown girl stories you know she was writing her black girl stories so i was like oh i gotta do this too and she really kept pushing me to do that so as i was putting definition Please together you know there are a lot of people in hollywood who say don't ever finance your own film (laughs) or you know and that's like rule number one and i was like uh no. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, who is gonna believe in you more than yourself? So, you know, I had, a, I've sold a couple television shows. And so I used that money and I was the first money into my film. And it was never a question of, oh, should I do this? You know, it was like, yes, of course, this is this is a priority for me. And, and I've seen people around me do it with their own projects. So I've seen, you know, obviously Issa, but then I'm friends with Matthew Cherry. I was in his film, Nine Rides, that premiered at South by Southwest, I believe 2015, 2016. I've just seen so many of my friends' inspirations put their own finances on the line in terms of their projects. And and so that's why I was inspired to do my own thing.
0: That's amazing. Now, I saw a comment that you made to Issa Rae about whether or not you were going to go to the audition at her house for Awkward Black Girl. What's the story there?
1: Oh my. So we met each (laughs) other on Twitter. We met each other on Twitter. And this was before Twitter was like, what it is now. This was, I was ahead of the curve and deleted Facebook 10 years ago. (laughs) And so deleted Facebook and I was like, oh, I need a social media. So I turned to Twitter and then I started following Issa. She followed me back. And then a couple of days later, she tweeted out, I'm looking for a mixed looking friend for this character on a web series that I'm making. And I said, Cool. I, re- I DM'd her, Cool. I'm not mixed, but this is what I look like. Let me know if you're still, if you still want me to audition. And she was like, Yeah, yeah, come on down. And then I pull up to the audition address <laughs> and I'm like, this is a house in a neighborhood. And it was a nice neighborhood. It wasn't like a shady neighborhood, but I was just like, this is literally what people say not to do. <laughs> right. You know, like there was gonna be like, I was like, is this gonna be like a Weinstein type situation or what's gonna happen? So then I was about to drive away until she came out talking on her cell phone. And I was like, oh, it's a girl, it'll be fine. Which is still not the right attitude to have. So then I just walked in and obviously it went fine and great. And there was nothing shady involved. And then I left and then a couple hours later, she emailed me and she's like, you got the part. And what was funny is that like, you know, it was no pay. And it was like shooting on the weekends. And I was like, what did I get myself into? But (laughs) obviously, you know, at the end of the day, I'm glad I went.
0: Oh, absolutely. And that's one of those things where you made an investment and, you know, it's something you still talk about today and has had a huge influence on you over the years. Uh, I'm glad you made that decision to go in there. That's that's great. Thank you for telling that story. Now, who inspires you that's not a filmmaker?
1: My mom. My mom is a, a huge inspiration to me. She, you know, grew up in Calcutta, India. She graduated with a degree in Bengali. Which is like kind of graduating with like an English degree out here. She had all these dreams of, you know, being a singer or being a dancer. And, you know, she loves to sing and she loves movies. And she just, you know, she didn't get the chance to do all those things. So, you know, she got married young and, came out to America and, you know, started a family. So she's been really supportive of my career. And I think it's cause she's, you know, living vicariously through me. She plays a, ca- <laughs> she plays a cameo in Definition Please. And she oh, wow. does a really, really good job. And so I think her story is really inspiring to me because I feel like a lot of immigrant moms really had to put aside their dreams to, you know, raise their kids and, you know, to make sure that their kids live a better life than them. So I, I'm really inspired by my mom and concurrently my grandma to
0: Oh, that's amazing, and that's kind of the classic immigration story that you hear from the second generation. Where as a kid, you don't realize what mom and mom and/or dad were sacrificing. You just hated the fact that they were tough on you and wanted. You know, you didn't realize they were doing everything they could for you. You know, to give to give you the better life. So it, it seems like that definitely fits. You know, the mold of how you were raised and and your your upbringing as well. So that's that's amazing that it's a uh, very appropriate too that you would mention your mom as that that first person. So. Thank you for that. Now let's talk representation. What does it mean to you to be able to put so many people of color on screen in a story that at its core, and as we talked about, is a very American story?
1: I think for me, you know, I've been in Hollywood for a while and over and over auditioning for these stereotypical roles has taken a toll. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> on me yeah. as on me as an actress. And, oh, yeah. you know, me and my fellow thespian friends are always kind of getting together and complaining about these roles that, of course, if we book them, we are going to play them because it's a paycheck. But at the end of the day, like, what what do we want our dream roles to be, you know? So something that was really important to me was highlighting that in Definition, Please, where I did care about Monica's character and her journey but I also wanted to showcase the other family members just as equally and importantly and give them meaty arcs to play with. So something really cool that happened was when I had sent the script to Anna Kaja, who plays Jaya. She got back to me pretty much the next day and she's like, you know, I play a lot of Indian, South Asian moms (laughs) on TV. (laughs) And usually when she's reading the script, she can guess where the storyline is going to go. And she said she really saw something new in my script and saw something fun that she could really dive into. And it it was just like a really meaty role that she had never been offered before. So, So that's the kind of thing that like makes me really happy because I was giving someone as talented as Anna the ability to kind of play with this role that she'd never would be able to do otherwise and even with Ritesh Rajan who plays Sunny he also got back to me and he was just like wow this is uh unlike anything i've ever been able to play and even to this day like tesh and i will be texting each other about the auditions that we're getting now and we're <laughs> like oh god Um, But yeah, I I just really took into consideration the conversations that I have with my fellow actor friends and what we go through on a daily basis in terms of rejection and reading scripts and um, just recognizing that, that I can tackle a film like Definition Please from a really authentic place and be able to put my touches on it.
0: And one particular scene that came to mind as you're talking about that is Sonny and Monica are in the grocery store. And I can't remember that gentleman's name, the actor, who's the, I'm guessing he's the owner of the store in the movie.
1: Parvesh, yeah, Okay.
0: The interactions between him and, and Sonny and, and him and, and Monica's character, just amazing. So much fun, hilarious. So I feel like that really represents what you're talking about, as far as showing the culture and the people just interacting in natural ways. Can you talk about that scene?
1: Yeah, that scene, I love that scene because, you know, I I grew up going to Patel Brothers and it's in my town. There's a Patel Brothers that sort of graduated from the corner store to Pretty much being like a Trader Joe's fancy Indian (laughs) grocery store. And even like the cast and crew who had been at other Patel Brothers stores were impressed by this one grocery store. And they were like, wow, this is like, this is like a Whole Foods of Patel Brothers. (laughs) So that was really fun, but I wanted to obviously give Parvash is such a good friend of mine, and and I knew he was just gonna kill the character of like the manager of the store. And and I think it was gonna be, like what happened was it was just like a really great interaction of like, oh, these first generation kids, kind of butting heads with this this grumpy old man who who's always talking to the kids of the neighborhood and trying trying to impart his wisdom. And you know, there's always that uncle in the community that is trying to do that. And I wanted to showcase that. And even in the grocery stores when I run into my spelling bee rival who was who was runner up, you know. And right, so I, right. I so, and that's that that stuff happens because we're as we're growing up, we're always competing against each other in these kind of uh, academic situations, and it wouldn't be an accident that you're running into this boy in a grocery store where everybody shops at. Yeah, it was just like, you know, I just really wanted to depict that slice of life of of an Indian American person, but then still have everyone be able to connect to that.
0: Yeah, that that was the thing too, is there was no stereotypes anywhere near that scene or any other scenes. It was just amazing, just such a fun, natural scene. So thank you for commenting on that. Now, also in terms of representation, where do you see opportunity? What's available now that may not have been available a year ago or 10 years ago?
1: Something that's available right now is that more executives are willing to listen to our ideas and listen to our pitches. So if we do go out of our way and create something that's out of the box, that's something that a lot of audience members are hungry for, then the executives can be like, oh, there's a this little movie is getting a lot of press. Like why? <laughs> and, and and then of course, you know, with executives, their their eyes on the money. You know, they're like, Oh oh what how we need to get in we need to like make this money you know so then they're more apt to have me in a zoom pitch or meeting you know and and so that's what's really exciting right now is that we we really do have the opportunity to create our own work to put it online to make those short films to do the virtual film festival circuit and you know make sure that it's your authentic personal voice and that it's not being tampered by any anyone else. And so that's what's really exciting to me right now. I think there is something in the air where a lot of people in general are just sick of the same old stories that Hollywood keeps churning out. And now that there are, are the streaming platforms and that are catering to more international global audience, it's just opening the doors to more new voices coming in that have really fun, unique points of view.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's been something that's been a big advantage of opening doors is this boom of streaming platforms. And, you know, part of it has unfortunately come out of the pandemic, but I think part of it is also just a natural progression. And one thing that I thought was interesting about it in another interview I did was, yes, there's opportunity there, but it's also such a wide open landscape. It's almost like heightened competition as well. Is that something that, that you see in that for, in those formats as well?
1: Consider a competition because I am really excited for more South Asian American filmmakers to come out and tell their stories because I know that their stories are going to be different from mine. And, you know, we don't talk about how, I don't know, how Big Bang Theory is similar to Young Sheldon <laughs> is similar to, you know, what other sitcoms are out there. But yet we we're like, oh, well, they already have Fresh Off the Boat, so there can't be another Asian sitcom and you're like no there should be like Asian sitcoms, you know, <laughs> exactly. why, why not? So so I think the more the merrier, and what I really get excited about is that we're all interested in different genres. So there's like me, who I love indie filmmaking, but yet I'm also writing um, a rom-com and I'm also writing an absurd comedy. I'm also writing a, <laughs> a thriller horror. And so I feel like there's, you know, different filmmakers who are working on, in different lanes, like animation and, and mm-hmm. drama, and so, That's what's exciting to me. I feel like the more the merrier and there's gonna be more than enough to go around. And I think the more of us there are and the more of us that are supporting and watching and creating, it'll just help build the audience and, and show in those executive eyes that like, oh, this is not similar to that other Indian American that came in to pitch. You know, like they're two very different projects. And I think that's where we'll really see the the power of representation.
0: Now, that's an amazing way to look at it. Thank you for going over that. Now, is there anything else you wanted to add into this conversation about the movie?
1: Oh. I don't know. Go see it. <laughs> go, go see it once it once it's on, a, you know, a streamer available to you. You know, we're still actually in the middle of our film festival run. And the next couple film festivals we're doing is Seattle Asian American Film Festival and Colorado Dragon Film Festival. And so just excited for, you know, if you live in Washington State or Colorado, please check it out at those festivals. And we're really enjoying the festival circuit, to be honest, and it's been really great doing the panels at the different festivals and just, you know, helping celebrate independent film and, you know, not just supporting Definition Please, but supporting all of the indie films that have come out, especially during pandemic and, you know, making sure that you're supporting them on VOD and other platforms because the more viewers and clicks they get, the more chances we have to go in and get our next project Greenland.
0: Thank you so much. So Sujata, your movie is a lot of fun. I had a blast chatting with you today. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me.
1: Thank you so much, Mark. This was great.
0: This is the Changing Directions podcast series presented by 206.com. Changing Directions is a podcast interview series focused on diverse and emerging filmmakers who are pushing the boundaries of what's possible for women and minorities while creating amazing films. Please subscribe, leave a review, and share on social media. Any way you can support the podcast is very much appreciated. You can find podcast episodes and all of my movie reviews, including my review of Definition Please, on 206.com. Thank you for listening to the Changing Directions podcast series presented by 206.com.